Hey guys, it's Abdul for your good friends over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, for the most part, the holidays, I'll admit it, the holiday seasons are pretty much here. So might as well go and start your holidays, Christmas, Hanukkah, you know, Hanukkah, Ramanza shopping, no matter what it is. So might I recommend our good friends over at Leon Tailoring. Get your loved one a nice gift certificate for some good clothes over at Leon Tailoring. They get something ready-made, something custom-made, or something tailor-made, no matter what it is, you can find it over at Leon Tailoring. Tell Larry, Norman, Kim, and Judy, Abdul sent you. They'll take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 2023 Indiana Chamber Legislative Preview. I'm Jason Bierce, Vice President of Education and Workforce Development for the Chamber. Um, before we get started with the main event, I'd like to cover a few housekeeping items with you. Uh, first off, if you're so inclined, restrooms are out the door to the left. Be sure to silence your cell phones and other electronic devices for today's presentation. Also want to take a moment to mention our event that takes place at the legislative session midpoint, the Chamber Day Dinner. Uh, the 2023 event takes place on March 14th at the Indiana Roof Ballroom. Our guest speaker this year is Dr. James H. Johnson, Jr. He's a distinguished professor of strategy and entrepreneurship at the University of North Carolina and director of the school's Urban Investment Strategy Center. Information on the event is at indianachamber.com. So, to accommodate the scheduling of our esteemed guests from the Indiana General Assembly, we're going to jump right into the panel discussion here in a moment. Um, note that if you have a question, we're using something called slido.com. Um, go to that website right there, type in the code, and you can present your questions when we get to the Q&A portion. Uh, we'll field those from there. Um, but we already have some uh, great um, questions to start off the Q&A, but let me start by introducing our panel and moderator. Uh, first to my left, House Speaker Todd Houston. House Minority Leader Phil Giaquinta, to my right, Senator Pre President Pro Tem Rod Bray, and Senate my Minority Leader Greg Taylor, and our moderator is our very own Indiana Chamber Senior Vice President of Communications, Rebecca Patrick. Rebecca, take it away, because I almost knock all your note cards down. Be careful. Thank you. As Jason said, we're going to leave that up there for the whole presentation, so anytime if you have a question, just please utilize that. We'll jump right in. I'll just ask each of you to go ahead and start things off by just talking maybe one or two minutes of opening remarks that you may have. Senator Bray, if you want to start things off. Yeah, thank you. Uh, happy to be here and uh, try to answer some any questions about what this next legislative session is going to look like. We're uh, anxiously looking forward to it. Lots of important things to try to tackle. I think what I would say, uh, well, I think we'll talk about some agenda items, but what I'll say first is that uh, you'll take a look through our caucus. We've got uh, four new members that we're excited about as well as a couple of new chairmen that are going to be serving for us, including uh, Senator Niemeyer and uh, Senator Scott Baldwin, who haven't been chairman before. So um, in the... Uh <clears throat> In the environmental uh, committee, as well as the uh, insurance institutions or insurance and uh, financial institutions committees, respectively. So, very excited about their abilities and what they'll be able to offer to our next legislative session. And uh, I think I'll stop there. Otherwise, we'll start running out of time. And I look forward to answering some of your questions. Thank you, Senator Taylor. Thank you, for, first of all, for having me today. Uh, I, from the Senate uh, Democrat caucus standpoint, we are here to talk about uh, what we're going to do for Hoosier working families and uh, to protect the freedom of Hoosiers across the state of Indiana. So we are looking forward to working with the uh, uh, members of the Indiana Senate in the uh, uh, House of Representatives. And uh, I don't want to I don't want to keep talking either. So I'm going and I don't, is the microphone is my voice too deep? I feel like I'm messing everybody's ears. No, you're coming through loud and clear. It's okay. good. 
Speaker Houston. Hi, great. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us here today. I look forward to uh, uh, tomorrow and getting uh, Organization Day uh, behind us and then the holidays as we, we look forward to the start of the, the session. You know, I think right off the bat, it's a budget session, a lot of unique challenges this year in regards to uh, uh, the, balance, the the budget. And, um, you know, we, we look forward to having those conversations, making smart strategic investments, but, you know, keeping Indiana uh, uh, in the current place where it is, which is, you know, extraordinarily competitive in the Midwest and, and you know, building upon the, the successes that we've had. Go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, good to be here. Um, uh, Looking forward to working with you, Speaker Houston, and uh, like you mentioned, it's a budget year, obviously. Uh, uh, New Ways and Means Chairman, uh, Representative Thompson, who I know I've um, gotten to know for over the years and I've worked with him quite well. Um, I know um, our folks on Ways and Means are looking forward to working with him, too, so uh, that'll be exciting. And um, and it'll be, I'm looking forward to the exchange this morning and um, of ideas, and, and, and as we go forward, uh, folks will hear more in detail from me. I know come uh, opening day's speech for me on January 9th. Um, and then as far as our caucus goes, you know, the House Democrats were one of uh, uh, just five legis Democrat legislative caucuses in the Midwest area to pick up seats. So we were happy about that. Um, Dr. Uh, Victoria Garcia Wilburn in sort of that northern uh, Marion County, Fishers, Carmel uh, area. And then um, I finally got a driver to bring me down from Fort Wayne. Uh, <laughs> Representative Kyle Miller will be coming in, so I'm really happy about that as well. So looking forward to it. Thank you. Uh, we'll kick things off in health care. And this maybe more for the speaker and Senator Bray, but if the other two want to chime in, please feel free. Earlier this year, legislative leaders um, asked healthcare industry participants for their ideas on plans on how to uh, reduce health care or hospital costs. How would you characterize those responses and sort of your reaction to them and how we sort of move forward? Speaker? Not good enough. Um, you know, I think I appreciate IU Health's uh, commitment to, to, you know, all we simply have asked for is to get you know, prices back to the national average. Um, and, and I was disappointed in the lack of commitment from uh, other folks besides IU Health. I think we have to create more competition both in the provider space and in the insurer space. Uh, we need to make individuals and, and businesses better consumers of healthcare. Um, and so, you know, our, you know, one of the things we're gonna focus on this session is creating more competition in that space. And, uh, you know, hopefully that uh, begins to, you know, we can't continue to let Hoosier wages get chipped away from on their benefits package that they never see because of high health care costs. And so uh, we'll be very focused on that this session. Senator Ray. Uh, concur with the speaker. Uh, uh, appreciate IU Health and uh, so their commitment there. And uh, But uh, I think overall the, the problem is not solved at all. We need to continue to put in uh, transparency and economic forces. And as the speaker said very well, that uh, uh, just they, we, we're not there yet. We have plenty of work yet to do. I think that uh, we'll, you'll see some legislative uh, uh, efforts from the uh, for the House and the Senate as well in that regard. But I think also we're going to continue to try and keep a dialogue going amongst those folks in the uh, uh, in, in the industry, hospitals, pharmaceutical companies, insurance companies, uh, providers. Uh, so it'll be a, uh, it'll be a road that we continue to work on because it's one of the more important things that we can focus on right now. Senator Taylor, Representative Jay Quinna, any comments on that or just the hype, the costs in general? Uh, yeah, healthcare costs are, are have increased approximately 16% across the state of Indiana, but uh, uh, IU Health, all the uh, large healthcare uh, providers in the state of Indiana have some uh, explaining to do when it comes to 
the cost of health care. But uh, we also have to take responsibility ourselves uh, as General Assembly members to uh, for the fact that we allowed this to happen. Uh, I haven't been in charge, so I haven't been able to address it. But the Senate Democrats have always tried to provide something that could provide for capping the costs of certain uh, health care costs. And finally, now people are starting to wake up and understand that Hoosiers are, are, are suffering because of the high cost of health care in the state of Indiana. It's made us one of the worst uh, with health care outcomes in the country. And so uh, I think it's far uh, time that we address the issue. Yeah, yeah, no, I just um, can only add what we've done in the past, House Democrats. We've put forth uh, 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 ideas, suggestions um, with regards to health care costs, including uh, the, the um, lowering of prescription drugs, capping the price of, of, um, of insulin, those type of things. And, um, you know, I also think, though, that we want to make sure that we can do everything to make sure that Hoosiers themselves are doing everything they can to keep themselves healthy. I mean, we can invest in trails throughout the state, things like that. I know one of your questions on here um, is on the cigarette tax, and that's something that I personally can't speak for everyone in my caucus, but something that I have um, uh, personally have uh, supported in this uh, increase in the cigarette tax. Wait a second, Phil. You got the question in front forehand? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I got them all. <laughs> <laughs> Prepared, prepared. Let's go ahead and jump there. I didn't think we were supposed to let people know. Well, that's, I'm that's okay. I'm kidding, I'm that's kidding. okay. Let's go ahead and just go there for a second. That's That's been a chamber priority for the last several years and other groups to increase the, the cost about $2 um, pack for cigarettes. Um, it hasn't happened for various reasons. Speaker, I'll go to you first. Do you see that maybe finally getting done this session, or is it still... Um, are there still some reluctance to do that? Uh, I think you'd have to ask the other table. In, in fairness, we passed it a couple right. times, yes, so uh, <laughs> uh, so I will defer will to asked. them. But I, you know, I would say probably I'd put the uh, uh, unlikely, the highly unlikely, would be the uh, the, the uh, answer. Senator Bray. So we'll take a look at that. Obviously, it's a budget year, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, factor that into lots of other things. We have uh, shied away from doing that in the past because it's a, the caucus just hasn't gotten behind that idea, not because uh, cigarette and smoking cessation isn't important. It certainly is. We need to continue to take steps to improve, and you'll see us do this, to improve the uh, some of those health care metrics or the health public health metrics that we have across the state of Indiana that uh, we're lagging behind. We do great as far as our economics and our competitiveness, but those things need some attention, which we will get uh, somewhat by uh, taking a look at how we uh, structure the uh, public funding based on the governor's task force that worked on that over the over the last summer. So we'll work on those things, and whether or not the uh, we end up doing a $2 uh, uh, tax on the cigarettes is something we'll have a debate about. Okay. The long session is traditionally bookended by forecasts in December and April. Any thoughts now on what those forecasts will predict, and are you more pessimistic or optimis optimistic about the state's economy over the upcoming biennium? You know, I'll, I'll say just quickly, the uh, uh, I continue to be pretty bullish on Indiana and its economy. I don't think that uh, we'll continue to see numbers that have far exceeded our forecast like we did over the last 12 months, but uh, pretty optimistic that Indiana's um, has proved very, very resilient thus far, I'm grateful to say, and I think that uh, I'm hopeful that we'll see uh, the same through December and uh, even maybe through April, although I 
can't admit that I can't see that far very well. Anyone else? I'm optimistic as well. I think uh, if there's going to be any sort of a downturn, it'll be slightly uh, downturn. I also think Indiana's in a pretty good position where we can handle any sort of uh, uh, mild recession, if that be the case. But um, I'm, I'm optimistic that uh, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be okay. Oh, did you want me to comment? If you want to comment on oh. that one. Um, I don't know. I've been in the General Assembly for 14 years, and uh, for the last three of those years, it's kind of like uh, we, not, we need to get some better forecasters. Uh, I, I think the state of Indiana is in a good financial position. The reality, however, is Hoosiers across the state are not in a better position. We, we're 48th in the country for educational attainment. We have a health care system that's costly. We, uh, and people can't afford it. We haven't done anything to increase the minimum wage in the state of Indiana. And we've had over 20 years of the same party running the General Assembly, yet we still sit here talking about how we're financially well off. And we're going to continue to be financially well off because that's how we do in the state of Indiana. But what about the average taxpayer? So. Uh, that's what I'm concerned about. Let's move on to education and talent retention. Um, increasing those two areas is paramount, whether it be incentives for increasing work-based learning opportunities and credential attainment or improving college graduate retention or others. What specific actions do you support and do you think could get the biggest overall approval by the General Assembly? Speaker, I'll start with you. Well, I think we'll outline uh, some ideas around this, but look, there's there's no doubt that, you know, talent is the number one issue. It, I, no one walks into my office from the business side of things, whether they're a not-for-profit, a, a large company, a small company, it doesn't tell me their single biggest issue is finding people, finding talented people, people, I mean, I hate to say this too, but people actually just show up and work. Um, and so, you know, what we're talking about is, is that, you know, look, we know, there needs to be substantive uh, and, and, and deep change, particularly within the high school and, and college work, uh, college spaces. Um, you know, we're going to lay out a plan uh, to really reinvent high school to make sure high school becomes much more relevant for students. That becomes an opportunity for kids to work. That, that they have more, uh, uh, you know, work-based learning opportunities. That they learn what's actually in the economy. I mean, you know, right now we've got dual concerns. We got kids that are, you know, our college-going rates and even post-certification, uh, post-high school rate for certifications dropped. Uh, and yet our labor participation force uh, of those same group of kids is, is down too. So, uh, you know, we have got to do things differently. Uh, it's gonna require, you know, collaboration and people working together across the space. I'm gonna challenge employers every single day. You can't tell us how important this is and not give opportunities for, for high school kids and college kids that come into your companies to do uh, internships, to have opportunities to see what's taking place in your buildings. Uh, you can't just say the K-12 and, and higher ed system, you know, deliver us a product and not be heavily engaged in, in what that product looks like and what the skills and, and, and needs of those students are. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a collaborative process, but we know this, we know from, we've heard loud and clear from families, from, from employers, that what's taking place, not just in Indiana, but across the country, isn't meeting people's needs, both the students and the employers. And it has to change and we'll lay out a plan uh, working with the administration, with, with folks uh, in the employment community to, to make those substantive changes. Anyone on this side? Senator Taylor, Senator Bray, either one? 
well, you know, uh, look forward to the ideas that are coming out of the House, and we can talk about some of our own. Uh, the speaker's right. The, uh, the employers have a responsibility here, too, and I know they're working on that. Um, uh, I'd like to see more internships, in particular for university students, partnerships between universities and employers, and Purdue's doing a great job of uh, setting an example for that, but we got other universities around the state that could, could be weighing into that a little bit more, and we'll work on other things, such as quality of place that might continue to attract people here, as well as uh, uh, just some other things to make sure that uh, Indiana looks like a place that people want to come. Um, actually, I, I agree with my colleagues that we need to do do better in uh, educating our workforce. Uh, actually, what we've seen over the last several years is a decline in uh, students who are seeking higher education. Uh, that is tremendously, uh, that's a tremendous down, downward shift of the labor force, and I think companies eventually, as we provide this great business tax climate, are going to look at the state of Indiana and say, well, mm -hmm. we can't find a, a workforce to actually create the job, or we're going to create the jobs, so they're going to choose other destinations. So we have to get uh, smart about how we actually incentivize and allow our students to get a higher education, be it a, if it's a training certificate or a college degree. But we have still have yet to address the issue of the fact that our children continue to lag the rest of the country when it comes to educational attainment. And until we do that, the uh, we're going to have we're going to struggle with a workforce that can uh, t can uh, have the jobs of the 21st century. Let's jump right to sort of. Can I jump on that? Okay, sure, go ahead. Real quick, it's a, it's a pretty it's a great question and um, the answer is pretty broad and I think it will take up a lot of our time in the session this year and um, it you know it really starts at such an early age and I know you may talk about or ask about pre K but it starts at an early age and um, uh, making sure again that those kids that are coming out of high school are prepared to go on to college. Um, you know, I think of the stat that I'd seen in Allen County uh, was uh, the school systems in Allen County, um, almost 43% of the kids that graduate from high school do not go on to any sort of post-secondary uh, education. And uh, so, I, so we have, you know, have a real issue there. And I think it's, um, again, it starts with early childhood pre-K, uh, making sure that those schools that are, uh, we, whether you want to call them complex schools or schools with special need kids are getting the funding that they need uh, to be successful to get those kids ready uh, for college, um, things like that. And then obviously, um, and this is what we've heard over and over again, that um, we want to make sure that the kids that are graduating from uh, engineering schools in, in, in the state of Indiana are staying here and aren't leaving because we know that we have um, companies in Indiana that are looking to retain the, the, the kids that graduate from colleges. Um, but that obviously then speaks to another a larger issue in my opinion and that has to do with, you know, are, are we making Indiana uh, a great place to live, work, and play that they're going to stay here? And uh, we can talk about some of those issues as we go on. But I think that it's a, it's a really broad question that you ask and it's going to have uh, a lot of answers, um, a lot of different answers and I think it's going to be a great discussion coming up in session. Yeah, I just want to say quickly, you know, look, the higher eds, you know, higher ed is, needs to be challenged in all this too, right? I mean, higher ed has lost their value proposition for a lot of families. And that just isn't in Indiana, but that's across the country. And, and you know, we kind of created the whole high school system to feed higher ed. If you think about core 40, if you think about how we do the high school transcript, it's largely to appease the higher ed institutions. And, and look, I'm a, you know, 
I'm a product of Indian, proud product of Indian University. Uh, my kids are both at IU, or I shouldn't say that. One, one's off the payroll out of IU, the other one's still there. But, but you know, I mean, you know, the idea that we're going to continue to do the same thing that we've done as the economy has changed, as, as you have more post high school certification programs, um, you know, it just means we have to we have to make substantive changes. And again, we know that who's your families want. It's just going to be you know, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be uh, a little uncomfortable. We have to bring. Um, you know, I, I want higher ed as part of this. I don't, I'm not, this is not a broadside on higher ed, but higher ed has to understand that, that they, they've got to reestablish their value proposition and why it matters to the, the kids on why to go there. Uh, that's part of this college attainment um, issue that every state's facing, and I hope Indiana can lead in it with our partners in higher ed. Yeah, just I was going to say that specific point that uh, you know, families are doing a cost-benefit analysis when they decide whether they go to college or to do something else, and and because of that, uh, the cost of uh, higher education, a lot of families are deciding to look at something else. So we we got to continue to work through that. The universities have to look at themselves and decide if uh, if what they're providing uh, has has enough value for the cost. Uh, the other thing I'll say, though, that we should be proud of is that you take a look around. I was reading a statistic recently and, and spoke to the governor, in fact, about it, that we graduate more engineers out of our universities here than any other state that touches us, with the exception of Michigan, barely. And uh, we're, our population is smaller than all of those states. So um, I think that that's something that we need to be proud of, but we have to figure out how to keep those engineers here in the state of Indiana, because we're not doing that great of a job at that rate. There's several areas we'll go to based on your answers there, but what I want to start with now is with post-secondary participation on the decline in recent years, the Chamber and other advocates are calling for an auto-enrollment of eligible students in the state's 21st Century Scholars Program, embedding opportunities for high school students to graduate with a diploma and a post-secondary credentials with that as well. How would you characterize your support for policy directions like these, and how do you anticipate these proposals being received? Speaker Houston, I'll start with you. I would say um, I would be supportive if it's part of a full comprehensive change in how we look at the high school system, how we look at the transition to higher ed and post-secondary. Um, you know, Indiana's been one of the most generous states in the country in regards to, to financial aid. We should be proud of that. You change, you change the. Uh, um, you know, trajectory of someone's life if they're they're educated and skilled, and we should never lose focus of that. But I, I don't think you know. I don't want to answer to a specific policy if it's if it's too narrow because I don't think and these are narrow solutions. They take they need to be broader and they need to be more comprehensive. Anyone on this side? Yeah, I, I hate to be the uh, person that we we can't even get children to go to school at age five in Indiana. I don't know. I think I sat here and said that last a uh, couple years ago, or maybe even last year. But we have to. I agree with Speaker Houston in the fact that we have to have a comprehensive approach to education. And it, when it comes to higher education, listen, families are trying to decide whether or not they have enough money to actually send their child to college, and who's going to pay for it. When I was younger, I didn't have that choice. My mother uh, couldn't afford to send me to college. I fortunately took advantage of the 
college system and, and was able to obtain a degree and a law degree. And now my son is actually at Indiana University and he doesn't have to pay for college. That's the uh, Indiana Hoosier dream. But so many families, because they don't emphasize education, we don't emphasize education to the over 90% of traditional public school kids are le being left behind while the top 10% are moving forward. So, you know, we could talk about higher education and, and do everything that we can do, but <laughs> we can't even get kids. I can't even get a bill that says that your child has to attend school at five years old. And until we address simple things like that, we're going to continue to lag the rest of the country and be 48th, maybe 50th by the time we, we end up. Jason, I believe we have several questions that have been submitted if you want to yeah, there are a few questions um, in regards to the governor's public health commission. Um, question about um, you know what's your perspective on the call to increase public health spending in Indiana to um, you know the national average, and then uh, follow up to that, um, what's your perspective on the degree to which Indiana embraces those recommendations having an in impact on reducing health care costs in Indiana? Senator Bray. Yeah, thanks. Uh, a lot, there's a lot there to unpack, really. And uh, uh, first of all, appreciative of all the work that the uh, the, the uh, commission did, and uh, set across from Dr. Box and uh, former Senator Luke Kinley. And it was interesting when he, he kind of outlined this. And uh, the first thing I'll say is I I like that the work that they did. And I think the uh, the idea of changing the infrastructure of our public health system is a really good idea. I found it a little bit difficult to to swallow when Senator Luke Kinley said. $240 million a year is something that we should do. I, I, you know, as a former uh, chair of the Appropriations Committee, I don't think ever, that ever came out of his mouth before. And, uh, uh, but he's an extremely thoughtful person and uh, appreciate that the work they did. I, I think it might be difficult. It, I, I don't see us spending uh, then $480 million in this next budget on public health. Uh, that's, uh, that's a big bite. We probably will start the change in that infrastructure and I'm not even sure if we sent that kind of money to our local health departments that that would uh, it would be able to handle that well so we have to you know work toward that direction I don't think you're going to see a, a a change just in this budget that uh, is that drastic uh, but I think it's a uh, it's a, a good place to work toward and again trying to trying to get down those health care uh, metrics are important I will differ a little bit with the question when it talked about I don't think we look at that as uh, the the uh, the thing that is going to change or decrease our health care costs across the state of Indiana. That looks different to me, maybe for in individuals, but as far as our providers and our health care and hospital systems, that, that's not the thing that's going to make that change. It has to be something else. Anyone on this side? Well, um, I would be disappointed if we don't uh, do all that we can with that uh, with the investment, those dollars that were just talked about. Um, I, you know, I, when I kind of look at the data and the stats where Indiana ranks, um, what are we, third in the country uh, for maternal mortality? Uh, we, Indiana has the eighth highest rate of infant mortality in the nation. I mean, we have a lot of problems here when it comes to uh, health care in the state, and health care costs is obviously one of those. Uh, but I would be really disappointed if we, you know, this was a, a task force that I think obviously took the issue very seriously. And they've come up with some pretty good recommendations. Um, I haven't a chance to really, I personally haven't uh, gone into real deep dive on all those, but um, uh, I think it uh, signals that we aren't taking the issue seriously if we don't really um, uh, adhere to the recommendations from that task force. I think there's, I, 
first of all, I, I do thank Dr. Box, Senator Kenley, Governor's team. I really participated. I thought that I actually did read the report, report and I thought it was uh, thoughtful. You know, I think you can't go through what we've gone through the last two years and not, you know, do uh, analysis of how we can make the system better. I think they've done that. I think in regards to funding, the question I asked Dr. Box and Senator Kenley is, is you know, how do we make sure that we don't have bifurcated systems, right? We invest, I mean, it may not be as much as, as people like, but you know, we invest a, a lot of money right now in, in public health. And, and we, if we're gonna add to those dollars, I just wanna make sure that they're consistent, that they uh, they support actionable goals with, with you know, measurable outcomes. And uh, uh, and I think, you know, Dr. Box and Senator Kenley are, are continuing to work on that. And, and so I think, you know, it, it'll be, I'm, I'm I've asked Chairman Thompson and Chairman Barrett to, to do a deep dive and, and make sure we take uh, the recommendations and analyze them. I think you'll see, um, you know, some, if not all, uh, will be, uh, you know, successful or, or certainly entertained. Uh, and on the funding side, I, again, I'm just always going to make sure that what we do is consistent uh, and, and that we it funds things that we actually believe are going to change outcomes. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.